and this is Son of Speak. That's the sound of Austrian mountain bike ace Valentina Hurl charging round the track at Zalbach. Not yet 20, she is causing quite a stir in the mountain bike world and has some of the fastest women on two wheels watching their backs. And she's enjoying herself too. From Red Bull, this is Beyond the Ordinary. I'm Nick Bright and you're listening to Beyond the Ordinary from Red Bull. Joining me this episode is journalist Anna Buick, who will be interviewing the Wunderkind of world mountain biking. So what makes Valley so impressive? Valley is just an amazing bike rider, super talented and really stylish as well. She's been riding bikes for pretty much as long as she's been walking. I mean, she entered her first bike race at three years old, a dash around a house in her home village of Salva. Her dad built the track she started out mountain biking on. And yeah, within a few short years, she was winning Junior World Cups. And perhaps most impressively, she was already challenging the times of her idols in the elite category. It looks like a perfect run. It's just a matter of getting off the brakes down that finish line. Over that massive finish line jump. Oh, sends it. She crosses the line. Look at the time. What a phenomenal ride. At 18 years of age, Valley made her elite debut at the 2020 World Championships in Liagang and straight away she was the fastest qualifier. But disaster struck in the final training run where a nasty crash left Valley badly injured. Thankfully, after a lot of hard rehab work, she's back on the bike and raring to go. What type of racing does Valley specialise in? Like her hero, 39-time World Cup winner Rachel Atherton, Valley is a downhill racer. Second and Rachel Atherton takes the win here in Fort William. So downhill racing is a timed run over steep, technical mountain terrain, which includes jumps and rocks and drops. Race runs usually last around four minutes and require incredible bike handling skills as well as strength and fitness. In some races, Valley has clocked speeds over 60 kilometers an hour. She's being tipped to dominate the sport in coming years, much as her hero Rachel has done over the past 13. I set up an interview with Valley, but waiting on the call, keeping herself hidden was Rachel Atherton herself, ready to take over when I gave the sign. This is Beyond the Ordinary. Hey, good to speak to you again, Valley. <laughs> good to see you. Welcome to the podcast. You've achieved so much already in your short career. You're junior world champion, you've even won elite races. Um, and there's a huge future ahead of you in the sport. But let's start by going back to the beginning and talk a little bit about uh, your role models and the people that inspired you. Is there a particular rider that you've sort of really looked up to? Well, obviously, um, I'm super lucky that I had so many strong women in my family I could look up to. My godmother I looked up to, Angie, and uh, obviously um, some really cool races like Rachel Atten. So it's cool because, uh, I mean, they inspired me from such an early age on. And uh, yeah, I just did it because I saw them riding. Oh, uh, yeah. What a, what a phenomenal athlete Rachel is. So many World Cup overall wins, World Championship wins. and. She's actually got a surprise for us now. 
we just stay on the line. Hi, Valley. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> That's pretty cool. How are you? Oh, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Thank you. <laughs> so, Valley, I'm actually going to hand over the reins of this interview to Rachel, and she's going to be the one that is asking you the questions. Um, I'm going to sit back and enjoy uh, a nice conversation between two extraordinary mountain bike athletes. Um, I'll stay on the line and jump in if I can um, or if I need to. But uh, Rachel, it's over to you. <laughs> this is Beyond the Ordinary. How's the ankle? Let's start with that, because obviously that was the end of last season. Basically, I was racing World Champs in Liogang. It's my hometown. And um, the track was like, terrible to ride it was raining the whole whole week before and it was raining the whole day and it was super cold and the track was super muddy and there was like a fresh new wood section and like the ruts were deep like it was muddy like you will stop turning because like all the mud was everywhere and it was super technical to ride and um there was a river running through and you you had to clear it if you don't clear it you it kind of fell into the river so um yeah, I was just a little bit too slow on the takeoff and I cased the jump, so I didn't really clear it, but I didn't fell into the river. I just got kicked and went over the bars. And then when I was in the air, I was not scared because I thought I would clear it. So it was not like a oh shit moment where like, oh my God, this is going to end bad. I just realized it when I hit the ground. <laughs> I broke my ankle and I've torn all the ligaments in there and pieces of my bones and stuff. And I jumped up and walked away because like I was I was scared that like people would see me like being on the floor and I crashed. I didn't cry. I did not. <laughs> no, I didn't. And then I was like, well, my, my leg hurts a little bit. I'm a bit sore. And then I looked down and then like it was already so swollen that like the sock was like over my shoe. And I was like, mm, maybe I won't be racing. And then like I crawled down to them. To the marshal and I was like can I have your phone I need to call my mom that I'm not racing <laughs> oh yeah I missed out the race and obviously had to do rehab for a longer time sure it'll be the first of many injuries <laughs> so you may as well get used to it <laughs> I'm riding bikes for such a long time and never something happened but yeah at a certain time you start thinking well everybody got injured so when is it coming you're kind of waiting for it it's it's weird but um yeah i'm kind of happy that it finally happened so i can take the box for the first <laughs> one <laughs> and now you've had this injury what's driving you what's motivating you well i guess like i haven't really been in the elite race scene yet yeah. <laughs> it was just a, like a short half a race <laughs> <laughs> yeah for like two days i was there it was a good okay. half race though <laughs> <laughs> no i think it's just like such a huge motivation like seeing other races like obviously you like coming back after so many injuries and <laughs> i mean after the first injury it's fine i was like okay i can do it one time up if you have to do it like every second year, like oh, I gosh. think I would start thinking about it. So that's actually quite interesting why you came back. My desire to win was so high. Like I wanted to win at all costs. I would just smash myself to pieces. But I remember getting to a point where I had so many injuries, like at the end of every season in hospital having surgery. And I just thought something needs to change. I either need to be so much faster and stronger that I can ride 80% within my limits and still win or 
I have to be okay with not winning. And so I had to train harder than ever so that I could be still within my skill set. And I think, you know, that's what it's about being young and, and learning all these lessons. I think you're very similar to me with similar people and similar competitiveness at the races. Winning is really the only thing that feels okay. And so you have to prepare your body and, and mind so that you can do that safely. Because if you weren't winning, then it wouldn't, you wouldn't really enjoy it as much, I don't think. <laughs> 10 seconds. Bally and Rachel, can you describe what it feels like when you're in the start hut knowing that you're about to drop into a gnarly race run with all the twists and turns, sketchy mud or dust, and it's all or nothing? Well, it's actually like really terrible because the nerves are so high and it, it's weird because like you warmed up, you actually like sprinted already super hard and you're all like a bit sweaty and you're ready and at the same time, like I always feel super cold, like it, my hands, I can't really feel them. And then you're, you know, going into the start and you feel like, oh God, I'm not ready, I'm, I'm cold and I don't feel my toes. Like it feels like when you go skiing and everything is frozen, like trying to activate my hands that at least I can feel the brakes and stuff. And as soon as I like, I roll into the start like I feel my heartbeat super hard in my belly. Like it's so loud, it's super weird. I never have it just when I'm in the start gate. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, I want to get out of here as quickly as possible. <laughs> just want to go. Five, four. Rachel, I read somewhere that you try not to blink at the start of a race run. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, the blinking thing for me is a huge, like, <laughs> huge problem. You don't want to blink in the wrong place, especially when you've just started. Your eyes have to get used to the speed and the wind, and they sometimes start watering. So your body's reacting to what you're riding, but your brain's like, next point, break, turn, tree, wide, inside. You're kind of a second or two ahead of where you actually are on track. And, uh, I guess when I'm racing, it's like I'm just super aware of the mechanics. So I'm like really aware of my body position, you know, whether I'm breathing correctly and I can feel everything, the pain in my arms, the, the breath in my lungs, just really making sure that you're doing everything correctly. And it's more trying to yeah, keep it going and not let too many thoughts into your head. We walk the track so much, we ride so much, the racers know the track inside out, you know, every inch you know, and, and it's kind of like, it's almost like a meditative state. You're kind of in a rhythm and you're, you're really flowing with your bike and you're, everything's perfect. You're coming out of the corners with speed and it's an amazing feeling when you get it perfectly, you know, you just, it's like a dance almost, it's, it's pretty cool. And then either you get to the finish line or suddenly you're like, hit a train crash. <laughs> Have you got used to the World Cups, the, just the noise yet, you know, the crowd and when you're racing, how loud it is? No, not yet, because like the only time I was racing elite was like in the COVID year, so there were no spectators allowed. And I think that's going to be something uh, yeah, true. new to me when like next year, maybe 
I don't know. How did you like cope with it? I remember Fort William is the worst for me. Leogang might be the most crazy for you because it's your home race and people were shouting your name and that gets into your head. If it's just general noise, it's kind of easy to shut it out. But when they're saying your name, it's like, whoa, who's that? But I remember Tracy saying that Mosley, she said she used to do some downhill training with the headphones and the Fort William crowd playing in the in the headphones no so way. she could get used to it yeah for me That's I think cool. the crowd like helps you stay on your bike so you, you might find it it helps you when there's a big crowd it makes you you have a big moment you get a swap on and everyone's like oh cheering and it makes you push like dig that bit deeper yeah I guess so that's cool we did one one exercise at the APC I had to do like a computer game and I had to concentrate and then we did it like the first time we did it like super quiet and then the uh, second yeah. time we did it like with crowd cheering and like flashlights <laughs> and stuff and I was better like the second time with the crowd than like when it was totally quiet so no way. maybe yeah. it's like a good uh, motivation or, or maybe you're like more focused When you get those good race results and those good times with the elites, with the girls that you class still as, as role models, you know, you're so young still. So are you focusing more on trying to win and, and trying to be up there or are you more focusing on trying to learn and, and enjoy it whilst you're still young? I love to be like the fastest, but at the same time, I feel like I'm so young and if I start like being faster than others who already worked so hard from more years than, than I did, I kind of feel a bit sorry and I don't want to piss them off, you know, because I, I actually want to be friends with everyone, but racing is, is tough. I always think that if you're going to be successful and, and win, you have to be comfortable with being alone because there's only one place at the top and there's only one person that can be there and, and everybody else is being beaten by you or whoever's winning and it is a lonely place to be, so you have to work hard to be comfortable in that position. And I think that's why a lot of people don't get the results that they could, you know, their skill level kind of would allow because they aren't comfortable being up there on their own. And that's something that is important to work on, I think. I mean, it's like a decision whether you work hard and you don't care if they like you or not, or you try to be friends and you actually want them to, to do well as well. And if you don't care if you get second, maybe it's, it's not good because, I mean, those yeah, two times I got chilled. second in juniors, I was so pissed and I worked way harder and the next race I was faster than, than ever, so. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's only two good. years, like elite is, is totally different story. But I mean, you, you know it the best, so. A genius is still important and it's a good way to learn and, and you know that about yourself. That's really interesting to learn so that you know when you're pissed off, you, you work harder and when you're second, you're pissed off. And I think that's really important to, to be able to win is, being pissed off with his second. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Battle at the Bill, the second round of this year's Mercedes-Benz UCI Downhill World Cup from the legendary venue of Fort William in Scotland, all under the gaze of Britain's highest... The whole field has gotten faster and training harder and stuff. And then things like the Red Bull formation out in Utah, the kind of more free ride side, just the whole women's side is on a, as a whole what do you think about it is it's going in a good I way I think like when I came into the scene 
it's just booming like it's growing like every year it's growing so I never really experienced it when it was on a like super low yeah I mean I still think that what men get paid and what women get paid is still like different but at least like the price money is already the same so yeah it's slowly I, changing yeah slowly I guess so it's already quite cool when when I when I came into the scene and, and saw it how people uh, how stuff progressed and stuff and um, yeah it's weird because last week uh, three weeks ago I raced in Italy and the prize money was different and I didn't really recognize it What's and then that? my teammate Jamie he's like 20 year old boy he was like Vali look at it you should say something so for elite women I it didn't was really less. recognize yeah, it was less it was like it was only 140 euros but Still, you I think mean, it, you just don't think that it's going to be a thing anymore. Yeah, you think it's going to. And be then you're normal. like, why? I mean, why is it? Yeah. So at that race valley, did you did you mention it? You know, did you bring it up with the organisers that the prize money wasn't equal and, and it should be in the 21st century? No, I did not because I didn't want to piss off the race organisation because it was like the only race after COVID. So we were actually happy that someone actually organised the race. So you know. I don't want to come in like, you know, being the young racer and already starting complaining because I don't know, I don't feel like I have the position yet to do stuff like that. No women speak about anything because we feel like we don't want to be the one that's moaning. But actually that's bad if we think like that because we shouldn't feel sorry for asking. Two qualifier, Rachel Atherton. We'll see what Tracy's time is worth right now. The world champion, the reigning World Cup winner from last year. Huge pressure on her shoulders. You look up to, to some races, but you're a role model yourself for young kids and people coming into the sport, but also for us, you know, it's so cool watching you enjoy it and, and start racing and kind of learn the whole thing. You know, it's, it's really cool to see. I remember you coming to Leogang World Cups as a tiny little kid and now kids are coming up to you to get photos and stuff. Do you, do you enjoy that side of it or does it kind of make you feel even more pressure? It's weird because I, I still feel like a kid and, you know, I'm super excited when I see other racers and when I get to talk to you, like, <laughs> it's crazy. I'm still like, super nervous and stuff and then suddenly like kids come to me and I'm like well, why are you coming to me just because I have a Red Bull helmet on like what <laughs> and then you you feel how nervous the kids are talking to you and I remember how how nervous I am when I'm talking to my heroes so it's weird but at the same time it's so cool that you actually have quite a big of influence on, on kids. Rachel Atherton sucks Carrying great speed there. You can see it getting onto the back side of that jump there. Atherton goes in at the number one spot. Look at the time, 12 seconds up. Actually, you are the reason why I started racing. So <laughs> if, if someday a girl like wins races because she started riding because of me, that's pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, that's sick. I'm always still nervous when I talk to Steve Pete, so I think that never really leaves you. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I can't wait till you can meet my kid and take a photo with them. (laughs) (laughs) 
that sounds like a perfect point to wrap up the uh, the podcast here. I've just got a couple of questions to, to finish off with. First for for Rachel, and it's uh, what would you tell your 19-year-old self? I, I probably would genuinely say train harder. <laughs> to me personally, that's what I'd say because I had a lot of injuries in those early years because I could ride so fast, but my body wasn't capable to keep up with the speed I was going. And I would genuinely say, like, get stronger as quick as you can. Make sure you're training hard because that is going to make it easier. It's going to lessen the injuries. It's going to extend your career, make everything easier. And Valley, last question to, to you. Where do you see yourself at 33 years old? <laughs> that <Ooh>. sounds really <laughs> old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it would be nice to have a family, but I hey. guess... Uh, I think I think that's like a really hard decision for every female athlete. Yeah. Because there is a compromise and there's always going to be a question like, can you come back? Is it possible to come back after having kids? Yeah. Because obviously there's going to change some, a lot in your in your mind and you don't want to risk it because you have a little baby at home. I mean, it's still far away, so I have a few more years to have fun <laughs> yeah, and, and try to be as good as possible and, and race and risk it. But... Yeah, that would be cool. Well, I can't wait to see what happens this year with, with the racing. <laughs> Very exciting yeah, to you. watch. <laughs> Rachel, I feel like it's just Thanks. worth to pick up on what, what Vali said there. You're pregnant at the moment, got a little one due this summer. What are your plans? Like, is, is there a plan? No, I mean, I've always had such a plan. You know, it's always been about racing every morning, every day. It's questions about how I can be better, how I can be faster. And, and suddenly we decided to, to have a baby and it's totally the opposite. You know, you've got no idea what it's going to be like. You've got no idea what's going to happen. And, and for me, it was just a super important thing to, that I wanted to do in my life. You know, I know I wanted to give my life to racing and, and be the best athlete I could be, but I also wanted to have a family and I didn't want it to be too late. You know, I didn't want to give my entire life and body to, to racing mountain bikes. I wanted I wanted to have a family and there's just never a good time. You know, it's a terrifying thing to decide and there's never a good time to, to say, okay, I'm not going to race now. I'm going to have a baby instead. But for me, I, I was injured, snapped Achilles tendon and it, it kind of felt like a natural time to try. And, and I think for me, I've, I've won so much and I've done so much in the sport that it's important to, to have a different motivation. So when I have the baby and start riding again, it will be different and, who knows whether I'll return to, to the podium or not, but it's just kind of nice to, to just be going with life and not really have a full-on plan. Well, it might be a historic year again for Rachel Atherton. That's her dad, Simon. But Atherton turned on when she needed to. What an exciting year both of you have ahead. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us on Beyond the Ordinary. That was good fun. Belly, we wish you luck with the season ahead. And Rachel, we wish you all the best with your new baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, good thank luck, Belly. Just show you my belly. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Do you already know if it's a boy or a girl? You tell no, us. No, we don't know. Oh. We didn't find out. It's a surprise. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be one or the other. <laughs> I call it Valley. <laughs>
Rachel's baby, who may or may not be called Valley, is due this summer. Meanwhile, the original Valley will be making her elite UCI World Cup debut at her home race in Leo Gang, Austria, this weekend on June 12th. Catch all the action for this weekend and the whole season on Red Bull TV. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Beyond the Ordinary. If you have, do leave us a little review wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you're new to the podcast, actually, check out Series 1, which is absolutely packed with people who push themselves to be beyond the ordinary. Catch you on the next one.